Alright guys, here it is, the big showdown, Airbnbs versus long-term rentals. A couple of weeks ago, I suggested that if you did want to see this video, comment down below and you guys did. So I know you're interested and I know you're going to keep watching. Hey guys, my name's Ravi and welcome back to Personal Finance with Ravi Sharma. If you're new here, smash that subscribe button because I talk about real estate, cryptocurrency and financial freedom. Now in this video, we're going to have five rounds, five different topics around which one is better. The Airbnb, which is short-term rental stays, or is it better to go and have a long-term rental and a long-term tenant in your property? Now be sure to stay all the way through to the end because I'm going to share with you why Airbnbs and short-term rentals can have a devastating effect on you potentially borrowing more. Despite the results of the five rounds, I urge you to take on that information because there are so many conversations around borrowing costs and borrowing capacities that it's very important that you stay aware of this. So how we're going to do this is have a running total. Each round, I'll cover the pros and cons for Airbnbs as well as long-term rentals, and then we'll award a winner for that round. And that tally is going to be up here. So with that, let's get started. Round one, fight. The first round is income potential. Now, when it comes to short-term rentals, in most cases, charge a lot more on a weekly basis than you can as a long-term rental. What you can do is adjust your pricing according to popular periods. Let's say, for instance, you had a property that had the view of the fireworks, then you know that you could probably charge quite a bit when it came to New Year's Eve and any other events that would take place where they had fireworks. If you also have a property in a very popular area, then you'll find that you can actually charge more on the weekends and during the week, you'd probably have some sort of special so you have ongoing income coming through. Now, when you compare that to a long-term rental where there are so many laws in place to protect the tenant, you can't actually go in there and just increase the rates every single week or you can't go in there and just say, hey, you know what? Like on the weekends, we're going to charge you this much, but on the weekdays, it's actually a lot less. Every state has different rules, but effectively you can probably increase your rents like once every six months or once every year. And that too has to be reasonable. You can't go in and say, well, yes, we charge 200 bucks a week to rent here. And then we're going to actually charge you 800 from basically six months from now. Now we do have a rental crisis at the moment. So that means that if you had something that's rented out, say six months ago, it's safe to say it's probably not worth the same in terms of rentals because we've seen in many areas across Australia increases of about 10 to 15% in rents in this year alone. So knowing that you can adjust your pricing when it comes to short-term rentals and actually charge a lot more on a weekly basis, the winner here in this round is short-term rentals. Round two. Next up, we have income security. Now with short-term rentals, you've basically got to compete with other properties, other people that have their properties on Airbnb, and you've just got to provide something that's unique and is competitively appealing. So you could go out there and say, well, you know what? I'm offering free Netflix, free Wi-Fi, I've got a car spot, it's fantastic. But what could happen is you could have other people also convert their properties into short-term rental stays, and they could offer a lot more. And this means that you could lose out on a lot of business. In addition to this, you also don't know if people want to stay there for a couple of days or they want to stay for a longer term like three months. And therein lies the insecurity around that income. It's not consistent. So yes, you can go and charge a lot more, but the consistency isn't there. And this is a really big problem when you've got a property that's really determined by whether it's popular in seasons or not. If you've got something near the water that's only really popular for the summer months and possibly spring, then you're in a position where for six months of the year, you might not actually get the income you think you're going to get. When you compare this to the long-term security of a long-term tenant, it's pretty clear who's the winner in this round will be. The peace of mind that you can have knowing you're going to get paid every single week is priceless, especially when you start growing out a property portfolio. So on the short term, yes, you can go, well, I've got so much more income and that's fantastic. But when you're starting to manage, say, six or seven different properties, it becomes very difficult. So in this round, it's the long-term rentals that win. Now, before I made this video, I thought it was going to be a clear winner with long-term rentals. But so far, two rounds in, it's one each. Round three, fight. 
Next up is upfront costs. Now we know that with Airbnbs, you pretty much have higher upfront costs because you are providing clients with a furnished apartment. So you're gonna have to get all the little bits and pieces as well as beds, TVs, and anything else in the kitchen that you need. Now, if you've never moved out and never bought the furniture yourself, you were pretty much like me about 12 or 13 months ago, where I thought, you know, it's not that expensive. I don't think it's gonna be that expensive. And then I saw the bill and after we got everything, I was like, oh, that's expensive. And that could be a play here is that you purchase a property and you're saying, well, I'm in a good location. I want to put it out on Airbnb and make some money. But then you realize you're probably going to fork out like fifteen dollars to $20,000 to get this place spruced up with nice furniture. And you need that because the Airbnb market is very competitive. In comparison, when you're giving out a long-term rental, you're most likely dealing with tenants or people that are moving into your property that have their own existing furniture. So in this case, you actually don't have to provide anything. In fact, in some cases, you've got properties that are more popular that are unfurnished versus being furnished. I remember for the first property, that we moved out into, we actually opted for a furnished property. Now, this was obviously during the pandemic, so it was actually an Airbnb that had been converted into a long-term rental. And that worked out fantastic for us because we didn't have the upfront costs. We just moved out of home and of course started paying rent for the first time. And yeah, the bank account was not happy, but it allowed us to transition quite smoothly by not having to run around and try and get bits and pieces and then having all this furniture lying around. So instead it was already set out, we got in, we just did our thing and then we moved. So given the upfront cost of having a furnished apartment or furnished home is so much more than a long-term rental yeah, the long-term rental wins this round. So now it's 2-1. And before I jump into the last two rounds where I'm telling you it's gonna get juicy and very close, you should definitely smash that like button because it helps share this video out to more people that really need it. Number four is flexibility. When you've got a short-term rental, you actually have the flexibility to not only increase and decrease your price, but you also have the flexibility of blocking out periods of the year where you don't want anyone staying there. This allows you to actually go in physically yourself or have family members go and actually stay in the property. This is fantastic because if you have a property that's in a really popular location, imagine trying to get a hotel or trying to get an Airbnb in that space. What you could do instead is say, well, okay, we're gonna have it tenanted out for short-term rentals for maybe 48 weeks of the year and then four weeks of the year, we're gonna be able to enjoy it ourselves. And there we can actually go out, not have to worry about getting a hotel or Airbnbs and availability, you already have a place there. So there's a lot more flexibility versus a long-term rental. If you've got a long-term tenant in there, they're gonna stay there probably for quite some time. Now with the rental issues that we're seeing in many parts of Australia, they're probably gonna stay longer in the property than you probably will own it. I know for myself, I've got some properties that I bought even say eight or nine years ago that have tenants in there five or six years before I even bought it and they're still there. I know this is quite a common like argument against residential properties versus commercial where people like I opt for commercial properties because I get long-term tenancies. But what you've got to understand is that some people that move into a rental property actually treat it like it's their own home. They stay there for so long and they're happy paying rent. And in my case, I've got multiple tenants that have been there for more than 10 years. So yes, consistency and having peace of mind with someone that's going to take care of the property like it's their own is why I continue to choose residential property. However, in this case, when you're looking at flexibility, it's the short-term rentals that win. The added bonus here as well is that if you decided you wanted to upgrade the property, you wanted to, you know, renovate it in some way, you could actually just block out a period in the year and then go in, have it renovated, and then it's all spruced up for whatever you want to do next. It's definitely not as easy when you've got a long-term tenant in there, they may want to stay, and then you've got to give notice before they can actually leave, and you can finally get those renovations done. So with one round to go, it is two all, and it's coming to a nail-biting finish. I feel like I'm a sports commentator at this point. Final round, fight.
Number five is management. Now management of the property itself and the tenants or the people that stay in your property. So with short-term rentals, you can go out and manage it all yourself. And I can tell you now it would be an absolute nightmare because what you'd have to consider is not only how people are actually, you know, using the space, but you've got to manage everything from the fact that you've got to get it clean before and after. You've also got to factor in how they're going to check in and check out. What if it's not a property close to you? How do you do that? And then you can also go and say, well, I could pretty much outsource this. There are companies out there that you you could actually outsource your Airbnb services too. They manage the property just like a normal property manager would. However, what I found is the rates that you get in terms of management fees are quite high and they're very high compared to some residential property and long-term tenancies. When you look at long-term tenancies, if you have the right process, this can be such a seamless process. What you can focus on is having your property manager take care of all of your outgoings as well as manage any of the urgent requests. I've often seen on the internet people worried about how you're going to get calls in the middle of the night because the taps broke or there was a plumbing issue or the toilet exploded. I'm not sure why the toilet would explode, but anyways. The reality of that happening is not even close. What you're doing is you're having a property manager take care of all of those things. And if there's an emergency in the property, their best point of contact, yes, is their property manager, but is most likely going to be a plumber to go and fix those things. You'd then have the cost forwarded onto you later on, but that is the best way to manage a property. For me personally, in the nine years of investing in investment property and now having a portfolio of more than 10 properties, I can assure you it's not what they say on the internet. It's not so bad. And if you do it well, you can manage it quite efficiently and seamlessly. In this round, it's the long-term rentals that win. That means we've come to the end of this five round comparison and the long-term rentals are the winner, just barely three to two. Now I'm glad that you stayed all the way through because something else that people don't often tell you and don't talk about enough is with short-term rental stays, how that affects your borrowing moving forward. Sometimes people are looking for cash flow, so they go, well, if I can go out and put it on Airbnb, what I'm able to do is actually generate a lot more cash flow. This will then allow me to borrow more and that is the whole game. Ravi, you told me I need to build the machine and then the machine's gonna continue building in the background and then I can live a lifestyle full of freedom and financial freedom more importantly. But when it comes to the borrowing calculators that banks use, the short-term rental stay actually incurs a lot more shading versus long-term rentals. And what I mean by shading is that they effectively reduce how much income they're gonna take into consideration when they do your calculations. For example, if your property actually tenants out for the whole year for about $20,000, the income shading that some banks will utilize is about 30 to 40%. What this means is that they'll take the $20,000 of rent that you could generate from your short-term rental and then minus 30 or 40% from that. And that number is what they're gonna take into consideration for when they think that you can borrow or can't borrow. When you start looking at numbers that way, you could probably find yourself in the bank size being negatively cash flowed and a lot worse off than if you had just gone in with the less headache approach going ahead with a long-term tenant. Because some banks take less than 20% of shading when it comes to long-term residential property and some banks even take 0% of shading, which means they take 100% of the income that you generate from a long-term tenant. This is all inbuilt into their calculators because they're trying to reduce their risk and keep the volatility low. Of course, if you've got a tenant in there and they've been there for a year or two years signing up for a contract, then that is less volatility for the bank and less risk than having multiple people stay in your property throughout the entire year. I hope you guys have enjoyed this video and be sure to subscribe to the channel because I'm bringing out videos every single day. If you guys have enjoyed this, smash that like button and I'll catch you guys in the next one. Thanks guys.